that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast the crossing I could never fold. From where I was to His demands it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you could not come to where he was he came to me that's why he died on Calvary when I could not come to where he was he came to me he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to his side. That's where today in his sweet love I now abide. He came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died. On Calvary, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Have your Bibles turn to Luke chapter 16 for a few hours this morning, a few minutes, and uh, we'll uh, preach right down the line here. Amen. I'm in a series, didn't mean to be in a series, but the Lord put me in one on a greater vision. That is our theme for this year. If you put that up there, Brother Cody, you can find it. A greater vision for 2020. Somebody suggested we do 2020 vision in 2020, but we need better than 2020 vision. We need a greater vision, a supernatural vision. And today I want to deal with having a vision for eternity. Eternity. Uh, there's more to life than just before the grave. There's a whole lot better life after the grave if you're saved. Amen? After death. And so I want to preach on what happens after death this Sunday morning and next Sunday morning. And so I hope you'll listen very carefully. Uh, to the Word of God. Luke chapter 16, the subject, and by the way, pray for Miss Becky Thomas. Uh, she had to be uh, uh, put in the hospital, I believe, yesterday morning and uh, found out she had a broke hip and she's already had one hip replacement, I believe. She's going to have another one 
uh, as soon as possible. She'd do it today if the doctor had come in, but it's going to probably be tomorrow. So please pray for her. She's been in a lot of pain. That's Miss Sarah's mom, and I wish you'd really pray for Miss Becky, and uh, they're so faithful. We appreciate them, so uh, lift them up in your prayers, okay? Uh, lift them up in your prayers. You know, in uh, October 29th, 1999, uh, the uh, CBS morning show went to hell. That was a headline in the Detroit News, November 3rd, 1999. Read, businessman sees hell as a tourist site. And the headline in the Chicago Tribune in October 29, 2000, read this, saints and sinners can all go to hell. And on January 7th, 2001, a headline in Detroit News read this, almost cold enough to freeze hell. And the article read, the deep freeze that hit the nation in recent weeks and buried several states in an unending wave of snow had one more odd effect, hell almost froze over. And what each of these media sources were referring to was a small town uh, between Detroit and Lansing, Michigan. Some of you Michiganites, Brother Randy, I cannot believe he's from Michigan. Uh, they got it out of more in Murray County, praise God. But anyway, and, the, and then the Thomases are from uh, Michigan. And they probably know where hell is. Michigan, hell Michigan. And what each of these media sources was referring to was a small town between Detroit and Lansing called Hell, H-E-L-L. -L. And a small town of such a few hundred residents, it capitalized off their name. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce has a billboard visible for travelers traveling westbound on M36 suggesting they go to hell. The town gets calls throughout the year from television and newspaper and weather reporters finding out, uh, the, uh, out if their town is truly hotter or colder than hell. Husbands send almost alimony checks through the post office so that they are postmarked in hell. Many citizens in southeast Michigan covering on this town every April. To, to, uh, they converge on this town on every uh, April to mail their tax return from postmarked hell. Each year, the town hosts the Run Through the Hell Marathon and Blessed in Hell, an annual um, blessing ceremony for motorcycle riders. They need it. And their bikes is in Hell, Michigan. And so it's a popular web website called Hell to You where souvenirs and all kinds of things can be ordered from Hell. And one article about the little town read, tucked away as amidst the hills, creeks, and rivers, Hell maintains a strange combination of notoriety and attraction. People come to visit all the time to see Hell and say they've been to Hell and back. And so these this town's got famous on their name, and it was named by George Reeves, who uh, founded it, and uh, he, he said, I don't care uh, what you call uh, uh, the town, and they called, called the town hell. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people have taken the place hell lightly. A lot of people don't believe there's a hell. A lot of Baptists don't believe there's really a hell. But I want to tell you this, friend. If there's not a hell, this book is not right. And uh, if there's not a hell... Jesus was a liar. And I'll give you two reasons why I believe there's hell. The most reliable preacher that ever walked this earth preached 13 times on hell. His name is Jesus Christ. 
He said in Matthew 7 that hell is a place of fire. He said in Matthew 18, verse 8, Matthew 25, verse 41, that it's everlasting fire. In Mark chapter 3, verse 29, Jesus said it was eternal damnation. Hey, in um, Matthew 23, 14, he, he said that hell is a place of damnation. Uh, Matthew 5, 22, that it's hell fire. Uh, John 5, 29 says the resurrection of the damnation. Jesus said that. In Matthew 13, verse 42, he said it's a furnace of fire. In Mark chapter 9, verse 43, Jesus said the fire that never shall be quenched. In Mark chapter 9, verse 44, 46, and 48, it says the fire is not quenched. In Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse um, 44, 46, and 48, it says where the worm dieth not. That means you'll always remember you had a chance to be saved. You'll remember this day, January 12, 2020, you could have been saved if you go to hell. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 42, it's a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said that. Now folks, if Jesus said that, I believe that it's a place, there's a place called hell. It's not in Michigan either. It's eternity. We need to broaden our vision a little bit. and We need to see a place this morning called hell. It'll change your life if you could see hell for five seconds. I guarantee you. The most reliable preacher said there was a hell, but I want to tell you something. The most reliable book says there's a hell. 83 references to a place called hell in the Word of God. 1,500 years, 44 different authors, 66 different books, and not one contradiction. Prophecy after prophecy has come true to the minute detail. From the birth of Christ to the death of Christ. Folks, this book is real. 83 times. 2 Thessalonians 1 9 says this is a place of everlasting destruction. Revelation 14 11 says there's no rest. Luke chapter 16, which we're about to read, where they pray to no avail. They just keep praying, but there's no mercy. Revelation 22 15, where the dogs die not. That's referred to sorcerers and whoremongers. Revelation 14, 20, so where they bring uh, the wine of the, uh, of, of the wrath of Almighty God. Matthew 22 is already read. They, it's a place where they gnashed their teeth. Revelation 16, 19, the Bible says they'll gnaw their tongues. In Jude chapter, verse 13, there's only one chapter. There's blackness and darkness forever. Um, in Luke 16, verse 24, they beg for one drop of water. Revelation 14, 10, they're tormented day and night. On and on and on. In the Old Testament, Psalms 18, 5, it's a place of sorrow. It's a place where they wail. Revelation 22, it's a place of filthiness. Revelation 16, 11, it's a place where they curse God. And then Luke 16 that we're about to read, it's a place of torment. The Bible describes hell as a lake of fire. Revelation 20, verse 15. A bottomless pit. Revelation 20, verse 1. A horrible tempest, Psalms 11, 6. A devouring fire, Isaiah 33, verse 14. And a furnace of fire, Matthew 13, 41. Now we have a true story. I want you to stand in all the word of God because this is not a parable. Jesus never used a proper name in a parable. He did not put the rich man's name in this story 
to protect the family. He was considerate of them. He didn't want to publish that their family member went to hell. But he did put the saved man's name. So it is a true story. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. That means he had it made in the shade. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which has laid at the his gates full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. More of the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass. You need to realize that's going to come to pass in your life. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Verse 23, chapter 16 of Luke. Being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. He may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, and here's our text, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, but likewise Lazarus evil things, but now. Won't you underline those two words? But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great guff fixed. That knocks purgatory out, don't it? And so they that which should pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would, would from hence. And he said, I pray thee, Therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. He may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they hear not Moses, there's no greater revelation in the word of God, and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And by the way, one did rise from the dead, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Father, I know that was a long introduction, but there's some people that just really don't believe there's a hell. Might be listening by way of internet, or there might be somebody in here. And God, we pray that you'd help us to preach this doctrine as an enlargement of our vision for 2020. We'd see, dear God, boys and girls and men and ladies that are not saved are going to this awful place called hell. Lord, give us a burden. Give us a burden for souls. If there's one that's got an inkling of doubt about their eternal destiny, may they get full assurance this morning. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In this true story, there's one rich man and there's one very poor man. There's one man that has it made. He's faring sumptuously. He's clothed in purple. He's as rich as rich can be. And there's another man sitting outside his palace, so to speak. And his name is Lazarus. He don't have much on this earth. And folks, I want you to see in verse 20, it's not the state of your pocketbook, but it's the state of your heart that counts. Selfishness made this man's heart hard that was rich. Look at verse 20. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now he's laying at this rich man's gate when he should have been in this rich man's uh, 
house being taken care of, or at least the rich man should have took him to the hospital. But he's laying there begging. And folks, I want you to see, number two, not only is the state of your pocketbook uh, not the real life-changing thing, but it's the state of your heart. But number two, Jesus presents the truth about death. Now, nobody likes to go to the funeral home these days. Uh, it reminds them of where they're going to go one day if the rapture don't take place. I don't know about you, but all of us are getting older. Say so amen. Amen. I have now graduated to the glory class, and the next class after that, Brother Jack, is glory. Amen. There ain't nothing older than your class. And I'm in there. I don't know how I got in there, but I'm in there. I was in the uh, young adults class for many times. I called myself assistant teacher, and they got so many. I said, well, I better get out of here. I ain't doing nothing. And so I enjoy the old, uh, older class. <laughs> I almost got in trouble there. Amen. I didn't say the old fogey class. I said the older class. Amen. Thank God for the glory class. But folks, we're all dying. You know, I don't have as much energy I used to have. And some people said, thank God, because you're about to kill me. So energetic. And, and you know, we have uh, more doctor's appointments. And a lot of times, it, it, some of y'all even have uh, these pill boxes that have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on them. And they're full. There's about 15 vitamins and four, four minerals and, yes, a lot of other medicine. Amen. If you want to get rich, get in the pharmaceutical business. Amen. Praise God. Don't worry about anything else. Just go... Go, go push drugs and you'll be rich. Don't, don't put that on the air. Amen. <laughs> but we're all dying. We're all dying. I just want you to come to church this morning and get depressed because you're dying. Amen. Some of you look like you're halfway there. Amen. No. But folks, he was rich. But I'm going to tell you something. He was still dead. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 1, we're all dead in our sins and trespasses. We're not even alive until we get saved. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, Adam and Eve started all this called death. Sin passed among all men and death passed among all men. And so the rich man could not bribe his way out of death. Verse 22 says, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried into angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried. And folks, he, uh, his riches could not influence the undertaker to stay away. Death is a common denominator. It's appointed once to man to die, and after this, the judgment. And oh, the difference of being saved or lost. I want to tell you something. I'd be scared to die if I wasn't saved. I would be really anxious about it. And I'd be doing everything I could to never die if I knew I was going to a place called hell. And folks, I want you to know, I'm glad I'm saved. And when I was a little boy, 11 and a half years old, a man called James P. McDonald stood up on Sunday night and he preached hell hot, long, and eternal, and that's why I got saved. He said, I'll use Jesus as a fire escape. Call it whatever you want to. I didn't want to go to hell, and I got saved. But folks, if there was no hell to miss and no heaven to gain, I'd get saved for the peace, the joy, the love, the purpose, the comfort, the hope that I have on this earth. Say amen. You're living beneath your God-given privilege if you're not saved. Sin will cost you. Sin will hurt you. And sin will keep you a lot longer than you ever want to stay. And so I want you to know the influence that he had was not bribed or bought. 
and the rich man also died. But one was lost, and one was saved. The man named Lazarus was saved. And when he died, he didn't go to some soul sleep seven-day Adventist. He didn't go to some purgatory Catholic. He didn't go to some limbo place called Paradise J.W. He went to a place called heaven, Lazarus did. The rich man, he went to a place called hell. Immediately. It's appointed once a man to die and after this is judgment. 2 Corinthians 5 eight says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no second chance on the other side of the grave. The Bible tells us that the rich man had everything but the poor man had everything he needed. He had Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath the Son of God hath not life. How about you for a minute? If you took your last breath and it was put on that little old program with your picture, a much younger picture usually, and the January 12th, is that the day? 2020 was on that program. The day you passed away. I want to ask you a question. I want you to consider it. Would you be in heaven or hell? I asked that to a young man yesterday I was counseling with. He said, oh, I know I wouldn't be going to heaven. I said, well, you could be and you can be. And he said, preacher, I would, but I don't want to give up my sin. Folks, I want you to know this. Death is a passageway. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Didn't say walk in, it said walk through. When I go up to Chattanooga, I don't go up here to stay in the tunnel on Brainerd Road to go over to Park Ridge Hospital. I go through it. And I go through it as quick as I can. And all my kids are holding their breath in the back seat when they were little. I just see Jason trying that now. He's a deep sea diver, but he don't want to hold his breath that long. Because I just slow up and go real slow so my kids be turning purple in the back seat. Amen. And I said, we made it. Amen. Folks, you don't go to dwell in a tunnel. And folks, we shouldn't dwell in death. Death is a passageway. Amen? We're not morbid people around here. We know where death will take us. Somebody put a gun to John R. Rice's face and said, hey, listen, we're going to shoot you and want everything you want. And he looked at them with his little glasses down on his nose and said, son, you can't threaten me with heaven. You ain't getting nothing. They left. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I tried that and get shot. But wait a minute. One man... One man was begging in this world. But I want to ask you a question, verse 24. Who's begging now? That is the vision we ought to get as a church. What really counts is eternity. Not the 70, 80, 90 years that you might have. And I hope you all have many, many years. But you never know. Some of you have been real close to death. You rode with me. <laughs> no, you've... You rode with my wife in a car. Boy, it's getting real quiet in here. Amen, I'll just go back to preaching. Some of you have had some close calls. Some of you have been rushed to the hospital. I was rushed to the hospital with allergic reaction to clam chowder and almost died. That, that would have been really embarrassing. Preacher that starts Whitfield Baptist Church passes away, not on the mission field, shot by some Muslim but eating clown chowder. Man, I'm glad that didn't happen. Man, that would have been a real obituary, wouldn't it? 
My wife's been trying to feed that to me ever since I got that life policy. I ain't going to eat it. I ain't going to drink it. Whatever you do with clam chowder. But folks, you, I, they put adrenaline in my arm in the, in the, in the emergency room park. They didn't let me get in the door. Because Dr. Thomas called and said, he's on the way and he's going to die if he don't get something quick because his lungs are filling up with fluid. You never know. You never know. And what really counts is 10 seconds after you take your last breath. And I want you to see that some people have a limited vision in our church. Some people have a very limited vision for 2020. They're just looking at this world. They're like the rich man faring sumptuously. They're looking at the stock market. They're looking at the politicians. I vote that we impeach all of Congress, but you know, that's not my, that's not my call. And folks, I ain't going to live and die with politicians. The White House is not the answer. It's God's house. It's God's people. And I want you to know, folks, some people have a limited vision. They often have the idea that this is it. That we're going to be kicking up tulips and turned to dust and it's all over. But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells me different. Jesus pulls back the curtain and lets us have a vision of eternity. I want you to look at verse 25. And it said, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things, but now. I want you to underline it. That's my title. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He's talking to a man in hell. And folks, I want you to know that one man took the good things of this world and he used them selfishly and sinfully to his damnation. The other man, Lazarus, took the sorrows and heartaches of this world and let them lead him to God and to heaven. And I'd rather be begging on this side of the grave than begging on the other side of the grave for eternity. I want you to get a great vision of eternity. Eternity. Where are you going to be in eternity? Well, there's two key words in verse 25, our text. We'll try to wrap this up. Now, how can you preach on hell in 30 minutes? I don't know. It says, and Abraham said, son, remember. I want you to think about the word remember. Remember. God's keeping the books. And if we shut God out of our lives, He's forced to shut us out of his life in eternity. It's not his fault. He died for you. It's not his fault, Calvinists. Whosoever can be saved, say amen. It's not predestined, foreordained for the foundation of the world for you to go to hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants everybody saved. He's not willing that any should perish, say amen. 2 Peter 3, 9. You've got to look further than the grave. Remember. And one day you're going to remember. You're going to remember and remember and remember and remember. You're going to remember everything about your life. You're going to remember if you wasted it or invested it. You're going to remember the joy you brought others or the harm and disgrace that you brought others through sin. I was talking to someone this week and I said, I'm going to tell you something. Your sin dishonors your parents. Your sin dishonors God. 
Hey, don't come in here for council session if you think I'm going to paint tulips and water it down and paint a pretty picture of sin. Folks, sin is sin. And we need to deal with it. A lot of people are Freudian psychologists saying, well, it's because mama dropped you on your head. No, I'm a, real, I'm a real, reality counselor. It's sin, deal with it, and turn from it. And through God's grace, you can. Now, I know there's other things that's happened in your life that's caused you to act like you do. But I want to tell you something, friends. Sin is the problem. And the only sin that will send you to hell is the sin of unbelief. Say amen. Well, I think this sin's worse than this sin. They're all bad. But I want to tell you something, friend. The sin that will send you to hell is one sin, unbelief. So remember, you will remember. And I want you to remember this opportunity. And folks, I can never forget the day that I was saved. Amen? You remember it? You say, well, I don't. Well, you need to get a day you can remember. Say amen. You remember the day? You remember the place? You don't have to remember the time or the, or the date, but you ought to remember the place. You ought to realize that there was fruit and your life changed. That's an evidence of being saved, by the way. Your life changes. You get a new want to. And then I want you to say one more word. Now. Now. It says, And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received the good things, likewise Lazarus evil things, but now. <clears throat> he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Jesus speaking to this man in hell. Now. Folks, this now is the most important word to you right now than any other word. Because now equals eternity. If you live for this world, you're going to be sad that you did. You're going to remember the times that you could have done something for God. The times you could have been faithful. The times you could have been steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The times you should have been in the will of God when you were out of the will of God. The times of worry and stress and heartache and pain that was caused by selfishness, sin, and vainglory. And the attacks of Satan that you couldn't handle. So I can't handle it. I'm no match for the devil. How about you? But I know one who can. Amen? And I know one who said that there is no temptation, it's not common to man, that he will, with that temptation, provide an escape. But you'll remember. And folks, you'll remember then or now of eternity. Let me close by saying this. This now counts more than any time in your life. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mark 8, 36. What does it profit a man if he has all the riches and luxuries and fares sumptuously as this man did, unknown name man, and then dies and goes to hell? I've never seen a U-Hollet behind a hearse yet. Well, I saw it one time. I was supposed to preach the funeral of our first organist, Brother Rick Persley. I was in South Africa and couldn't get back, but he he had his wife promise him that he was going to have a hearse connected to his truck to follow the, cast, the, the hearse uh, so he could laugh at me and say, well, you did this time. So I had to see it on news. But you can't take it with you. And what you do now, if it's not for Christ, will not last.
wood, hay, and stubble. Say amen right there. It's just a total waste. But what you do for Jesus, if it's serve a cup of cold water in his name, it will last forever. Ever and ever and ever and ever. What you do for Christ will count. One day you're going to remember, and one day you're going to say, now I see the big picture. Then there's also another lesson in this in this story, verse 26, it says, And besides all this, between us and you there's a great guff fixed. So they which should pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Folks, listen. Changes have to be made on this side of the grave. Say amen. There's a lot of people that believe this trash heresy that there's a purgatory and that somebody can buy your way out, you out of purgatory by giving a whole lot to a church. That's a heresy and that's a terrible fundraiser. Say amen. Yeah, so I don't like that. I, I'm, not here, I'm not a politician, I'm a preacher. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's the truth. You cannot buy someone out of hell or purgatory or whatever they call it. Oh, friend, there's no second chances. But there is some second chances on this side of the grave in this life. Aren't you glad God gave you a second chance? He didn't have, he didn't have, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't obligated to call on you but one time to be saved. A lot of us were stubborn and fearful and thought we couldn't live it and all kinds of crazy excuses. And God kept on calling kept on sending a witness, kept on sending somebody to preach, kept on uh, convicting our heart. Today is the day of salvation, is what this verse is saying. Call upon him while he is near and while he may be found. It's urgent that you heed his call today because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. But now. But now. Oh, friend, I'm going to tell you something. Verse 26 tells me that he was not just begging for water. He was begging for mercy. And it was too late. He was begging for mercy. And the last truth I want to give you this morning out of this story, verse 27, it says, Then said I, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. I have five brethren. You know, you ought to get saved this morning for the influence on your brethren, on your children, on your mama, your daddy, your relatives, your workmates. Get saved for yourself, yes. Get saved for the glory of God ultimately. But friend, I want to tell you something. When you get saved, you can get other people saved. And don't tell me you can tell people how to get saved if you're not saved. You can't take people where you've never been. Say amen right there. I know this is deep, but it'll get deeper tonight when we have a guest preacher. I'm just saying this. This last truth in verse 27 is this. It's too late to witness after the grave. I believe there's plenty of people in hell that have a missionary spirit. Say amen. I believe if you open the lid of hell, 
You'd hear men and women and boys and girls screaming, don't come to this horrible place of torment, this place of evil associations. Revelation 21.8 lists the, the neighborhood of hell, whoremongers. The first one, I think, is liars, unbelievers, fearful, fearful. That's it, fearful. They're just afraid what people think. Are you going to go to hell because of what people think? That don't make a lick of sense, pardon the South Georgia terminology. You ought, get, you ought to get saved no matter what people think. But I'll tell you what they'll think if they're saved. They'll think it's the wisest decision you ever made in your life. Amen. Amen. I try to introduce people to Jesus and the family of God because I know what they're getting into. I'm a satisfied customer, say amen, praise God. I love being saved, don't you? I love being married. I try to get everybody married. I try to play Cupid, 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 Cupid two or three or four times when I was pastor these 42 years. And I ran them both off. Amen. I, got, I made them both mad. I ain't going to do that no more. If, you ain't, if you're going to be by yourself alone the rest of your life, go ahead, but I, I can't set you up. Brother Jeremy, that's the last one I'm going to set up. Amen, right there. He's smiling over there. Pray, thank God you set me up. Praise God. Amen. He came to revival and got more than Jesus. Amen. But anyway. <laughs> Fearful. Whoremongers. Abominable. You look at Revelation 21.8. That is the neighborhood of hell. And I want to tell you something. None of you would pick that neighborhood even in Dalton, Georgia if it was full of whoremongers. Abominable. Liars. Murderers. Rapists. Sorcerers. Folks, hell's full of those people. But hell's also full of religious people that never got saved. And good people and moral people that depended on their own morality to get them saved. And folks, I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't go to hell for the neighborhood. Say amen. Oh, you lift up the lid of hell, you'd see them saying, don't come to this place. It's a great guff fix. It's eternal separation. Forever and ever. Folks, why don't we witness more? I believe the reason is we really don't believe that there's a hell in our heart. Because if we believed there was a hell, it wouldn't matter how much they hurt our feelings. It wouldn't matter how much they ignored us or shunned us or talked about us for being a fanatic. If we really believe there's a hell, our soul winning would be different. My preaching would be different. Amen. Our testimonies would be different. Folks, mankind has bridged most distances, but there's one thing that's dead sure. There's no false doctrine going to bridge you over hell. There's no wishful thinking going to bridge you over to hell. There's no ingenuity of man to bridge you over to hell. And praise God, there is no New Testament translation of the Bible that's going to build a bridge between you and hell. It's a guff fixed. It's forever and ever and ever. There's not a, listen, if you would get saved and trust the finished work of the cross of Calvary, there's not enough de demons in hell to keep you from becoming a Christian. And there's not enough angels in heaven to keep you out of hell. 
if you choose to reject Jesus. Today is your choice. Because God in His infinite grace has given you a free will. So he don't inoculate you to love him. He wants you to choose to love him. And he wants you to choose heaven and not hell. He wants you to choose for eternity to be with him in a far better place. Amen? And it's your responsibility to exercise that free will for God's glory and good. Eternity. Eternity is a long time to remember and regret. I should have been. Eternity. Don't wait. It's a guff fixed. It's forever and ever and ever. The closing question that I want to give you, I'm going to give you three answers real quick. It's only 10 after. We'll be home by a little while. If there is a hell, if the most reliable book referred to hell 83 times, and the most reliable preacher preached on hell 13 times. I don't care if you believe Wayne Cofield or not. You ought to believe Jesus in this book. There is a hell. But if there is a hell, the number one, every preacher ought to be a hellfire and brimstone preacher. That's right. I don't preach on it enough. Number two, if there is a hell, every Christian ought to be a soul winner. Number three, if there is a hell, every person who has a doubt needs to make sure of heaven today. Our Father, use the message. Thank you, God, for the attention. And thank you for the presence of the Holy Ghost to accompany this message. Lord, I heard someone say you should never preach on hell without a tear. Or a broken heart. And Lord, my heart breaks and aches. That's why we had run the buses. That's why we ran the bus packed to overcapacity last Wednesday. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have this church. That's why I came to this town to start this church. Is because boys and girls and men and ladies without Jesus are going to hell. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will not let us get used to that fact. That horrible reality that people without Jesus is going to spend eternity in a terrible place called hell. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd enlighten us, but you'd enlarge our vision for 2020. That we'd see eternity. Next Sunday, Lord willing, you'll let me preach on heaven. That'll be a wonderful time. But this Sunday, you told, you told me to preach on this subject, hell. And it's a heartbreaking time. Because there's some that we know in our family, in our neighborhood, on our jobs, in our schools, that are going to this terrible place. And we're not as burdened as we ought to be for their souls. Please, God, give us a greater vision of eternity.
where people are going, where people live forever and ever in eternity. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I asked you the question a few minutes ago about if you were to take your last breath today. And you're not guaranteed you won't because I'm going to tell you something. Every breath and every heartbeat is a gift from God. If you don't believe it, start losing it and see who you call out to. Let your heart start skipping a beat and who do you call out to besides the doctor and the nurse? You call out to God because you know that heartbeat came from God. But you'd say, preacher, I know for sure. I am so convinced because I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior sometime in the past. If I took my last breath, I'd be in heaven and not hell. And that's your testimony that you know you're going to heaven. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? Come on, raise it up real high. Keep it up just for a second. How many glad you saved? Say amen. Isn't that wonderful? Nobody's looking around. We're not going to approach you. We're not going to drag you down some aisle. That'd be man trying to convert you. Several could not raise your hand and you'd say, Preacher, please. And some of you ought to uh, pray now. You ought to be praying during this invitation. You ought to be praying, not planning nothing. Because I want to tell you something. Souls are more important than anything you're, you're planning. Yes. You ought to be listening. You ought to be convicted. There's somebody near you lost. Would you pray for them just a minute? Now, you could not raise your hand, but you'd say, Preacher, I don't have full assurance. We've had members of our church get saved with an invitation like this. You say, I'm just not absolutely 100% sure of heaven and missing hell and trusting the Lord as my Savior. I'm not sure, but I sure would like to be sure. I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? I won't come to you. I won't do the most I could ever do for you. I want to pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am, for your honesty. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up, then back down. Real quick. I'm not going to be here long. I hope we're here long enough to realize eternity is a long time to miss heaven and be in hell. Anybody else? One's raised their hand. How about you? Pray for the junior church and children's church today. Those little children are a lot softer as far as the gospel is concerned. A lot more open. If you're not absolutely 100% sure what you ought to do during this invitation, just come to this altar and let us show you in the Bible how you can be sure. How many say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I know someone I really believe by fruit inspection, they're not saved. They have no interest in the things of God. They're satisfied with their little sins, and I believe they're just lost. I believe they're lost. They say they're saved. Maybe you have religious friends or family that say they're saved. They're trusting something besides the blood of Jesus, the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And your soul's concerned about them enough to slip your hand up and say, Preacher, please pray for them. And may God use me to reach them all over this place. Somebody else, all over this place. Praise God. Hey, listen, let's be burdened. You ain't burdened for souls. Something's wrong with your hard heart. You're occupied with your little old self. You're occupied with this now instead of the eternal now. Anyone else? Real quick. I don't know why we're in a hurry. This is more important than anything you got to do. Eternity. Anyone else? 
Father, thank you for the one that raised their hand to be saved. Pray they get full assurance before they walk out of this building. I pray, for, dear God, for all of us that know someone that's going to go to hell and be in torment. And God, we don't want their blood to be on our hands. We want them to cry out saying, you didn't show me the way, you didn't tell me the way. You was interested in everything else when you talked to me, and, but you never talked to me about Jesus. Oh, God, help us not to have that happen at the great white throne judgment. Lord, please help us not to see any of our loved ones cast into the bottomless pit at the great white throne judgment. God, help us to be a witness. Help us to be bold but compassionate. Help us to be wise. Help us to be looking with a new vision for souls that need to be saved. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.